Welcome to the Weekend Must Watch on Intercut, the weekly show going through the movies, TV, and entertainment that people just can't cut away from. This week in movies, we have Ant-Man, and the Wasp, and the Quantumania, and the multiverse of stupidity that Marvel keeps on posting out in theaters. Also out there is Winnie kicking the poo out of teens, Apple focusing in on thrillers with Sharper, and The Last of Us, since it continues to be the best show on HBO. As always, I'm your co-host Arturo Zurita, and joining me with all of his variants to conquer this podcast, it's Zachary Shevich. I'm all right. I'm not sure which one uh, this variant is, like a green and cozy, uh, maybe. You're going to have to wait seven years to figure out in our phase seven of Intercut to realize which variant of of Zach this is. But hey, that's the waiting game. That's usually how it goes. Yeah, Um, unfortunately, this is the variant uh, that... Uh, gets this has to sit through a lot of Marvel movies this year and a lot of those phase four and phase five movies. Bro, that's what I realized. Uh, this is what the third Ant Man and the Wasp movie. Third, it's gone to the point where it's Ant Man, Ant Man and the Wasp, Ant Man and the Wasp and the Quantumania. It's gonna be Ant Man and the Wasp and the Quantumania and the rise of the fall of the secrets of the whatever. Like at a certain point, Ant Man's just gonna get booted off of the title, and it's just mm-hmm. it's just gonna be like this ever changing thing until it becomes whatever the next one is. But I realized it doesn't matter what multiverse I'm in. I am a hater of Ant-Man. It's it's a series that is just filler to me. It's a series that started off on the wrong foot by uh, doing wrong to a director. But it's a series that ha- it has... It's the only one where the trilogy is all directed um, by one person. It's become this, like, family mm. franchise with Paul Rudd and the gang. Uh, and I don't like any single one of them. But we are here to talk about that <laughs> and a couple of other movies that are out in theaters, out at home. But, uh, Zach, it's been a little minute. How have you been? Yeah. I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, we, we're. De- can you try adjusting your mic volume? By the way, get it a little more up. Sure. Um, we have been, you know, in the doldrums of February after getting back from the high of Sundance, and before Sundance, there was like a pretty awesome slew of January horror movies. You know, the January got the reputation for being dumpuary, the part of the calendar where studios would dump the movies. They had no real hope in the movies that are destined to flop. And it's has less and less so been the case. There are these gems we find in January and now February kind of seems to be the, the barren the wasteland zone. for movie going easily. Yeah, and it, it's, it, it's made that much worse in a week when everybody clears the way for a big Marvel movie. And then the Marvel movie itself is also a letdown. And I know that I, I tend to be the one who's a little more negative when it comes to the MCU. I, Ant-Man is actually, I don't have that aversion to Ant-Man that you do. I, I enjoy something that's a little more small scale. I don't scale, have that aversion to Ant-Man. Con- <laughs> I, you have I your, just you hate him, Zach. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but like, it, I we'll get into the movie in, in a moment, but yeah, it feels like they've kind of reversed course on some of the things that even made Ant-Man kind of good for what Ant-Man was. 
Yeah, it, it, it's going to get pretty bad out there. But in the meantime, uh, I didn't have the screenshot pulled up, but I went ahead a mini conversation before we get into all of the movies of the week, like we said, in theaters and streaming. We're even going to get into some of the TV shows that we didn't cover last week uh, in our huge January wrap-up. We went through and ranked everything that's come out this year that we've seen uh, since we were away for festivals, and we wanted to make sure that we covered a bunch of that stuff. So anything that we missed, let us know over in that video. But I know we didn't get to the TV shows, which is what we're going to wrap up here. But before we get into that, you don't have to pay for different things when you're at home. But recently, AMC has implemented. They have spoken about it. There was tweets about it. I go on Fandango and see this new little icon. And I wish I had a picture. I'm going to try to pull one up as, as I'm speaking about it. There is this new little icon for their preferred seating. And they have fully implemented this preferred seating, mm. charging you an extra 2 to $3 if you want to sit in the middle for what they're calling the eye-line view. And then at the same time, giving you a discount if you take the bunk seats at the front. <laughs> they, they're Zach, bringing, I have uh, some thoughts. A class system to the movie theater. I absolutely despise this. Zach, why did I catch you on Twitter saying a little bit of a yay to this? Because I don't think this is the worst thing in the world that AMC could do. I mean, like, I, I understand that it's annoying for sure. Uh, someone pretty quickly pointed out to me that a lot of those seats tend to be empty for most showings anyway. And yeah, I kind of feel like Which that's ones? sort of... I mean, you know, almost any big movie after the first week is going to have a lot of empty seats. Like, maybe you don't, don't get oh. it for your, like, Friday evening, Saturday evening showings, and then, like, yeah, that, that's a little bit annoying, but it's also, like, the system that we have in so many other parts of, of life. I saw people, everybody wanted to compare this to airlines, and, like, fine, sure, but it's also how we do it at sports, at theater, at, at, at like, any kind of live event, pretty much. I, I don't see why it's so, uh, so taboo to potentially do this at movie theaters, particularly when it's so easy to now buy the cheaper seats and just move if it's not a full showing. Business-wise first. <laughs> I don't see charging more for the seats in the middle as being a beneficial thing throughout the week. Because if you're already suffering with people going not on the weekend, I don't think they're mm -hmm. going to want to go when it's more expensive. Yeah. I don't mind the front seats being cheaper because those seats suck. I... I, I want it to be so cheap. I think they should take the front rows out of every theater. I think it's a biz I think it's blasphemy that they allow anybody to sit up that close. Right. Now, when it comes to the idea of it being a communal space, I hear what you're saying about it. airlines. I, look, a trip to the movies ain't really taking me to Pandora, though. <laughs> like, it's not an actual traveling destination. I see yeah. what you're saying about sports as well but, and theater, but those are live performances. That's why I mm -hmm. equated it to, to the TV side of things, of, of competing with at-home leisure when you're already in front of your TV. That's yeah. who your competition is. There is no competition yeah. for sports. Sports knows it's not competing with the best seat on ESPN. Theater isn't competing with that either. Movies are. So to implement this, I think, is really weird. And I'm just against having something that has always been free. And now you're going to add more fees to it when you're already a dying industry. I think it's yeah, the dumbest it's, move. I don't like it. It's certainly something that, that would maybe be an obstacle for somebody who already is, like, struggling to justify going to the movies. But I, I think for yeah. people who tend to go to the movies a lot, either it's, you know, you already have a list and the prices don't affect you. Or you're not necessarily going so much it, that yeah. like a two dollar a two dollar price bump is going to be like 
that that significant like I, I was trying to calculate it out that if you pay two dollars for a family of five and you go to the movie theater uh 12 times a year you know that's that's like uh, that's 120 which is like you know for for improving your experience 12 times i don't know like it's basically what you're paying for a trip to the movie theater anyway it, it's how about i, I, I improve it by just getting my tickets earlier with no extra convenience fee it's just extra add-ons that they're putting on it when netflix yeah. did the password thing right which i guess mm-hmm. they're rolling out in some places overseas Mm-hmm. You weren't a fan of that. You weren't going to take all of your systems over to your parents' house or whoever's got the account every single week to check in. This is right, worse, than, in my opinion. It's it's that's something that's like making the system itself like less user friendly. This is like theaters. This trying is less user friendly. Where it's sure it's less user friendly, but I don't think it's necessarily significantly. Uh, the same way that like the Netflix thing is, I, I feel like, it, you know, we already know movie theaters are a dying industry. They have to make money somewhere. And I people who suggest like they should cut prices. All right. Well, does that mean that they're just going to get less money from the people who already go? I, I just don't, I, I don't see a lot of places for places like AMC to add revenue uh, and I feel like this is like the slight a slight inconvenience fee. Maybe they should take what they should do is only have it on those premium showings so that like if you're going Wednesday at, at 3 p.m., you don't have to like play that little moving seats game, mu- musical chairs and hope that you can just get the seat you want. But like I I get it. And for, you know, there's people who really, really care about seeing Ant-Man opening night. And if they want to get that best experience, like I think they're willing to pay the extra two bucks. Well, Zach, for South by, I'm going to make sure I get you the $2 Sundance con- <laughs> convenience fee. You know, for a non-capitalist, bro, you got to <laughs> How much AMC paying you? I'm on the Regal side. Over at Regal, we don't have that, and they allow you to do whatever you want there. But I don't know. Regal's probably going to yeah. roll it out as well. Leave it maybe to curation. That's what it's got to be. It's it's the price to go to the theater. As much as right. I don't like it, you know, uh, the whole point is that you want this industry to survive, and this is a way, I guess, for them to survive for the quality we'll of see. movies that they have out there, such as Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, a movie that you <laughs> shouldn't pay not only the ticket prices for, I wouldn't pay the $2 alone. <laughs> just if, it, if the tickets were $2, which is just a service fee for the upgrade, I wouldn't go to this. What an absolute waste of potential for what is supposed to be the start of Phase 5. Ant-Man right. and the Wasp Quantumania is the 30th? I, I think 31st. We're at, I think we're at 30. 31st movie. Ah. Uh, yeah. 31 like flavors. people saying 31st. Oh. Yeah, there you go. That's so it's funny. It's so synchronous. <laughs> I take it all back. An extra half star. This movie took who was supposed to be the greatest villain bigger than Thanos mm. and decided, him, decided to have him go up against the flavor of the week in the most uncontentious freaking battle I've seen. The most pathetic mm. intro to a villain since season two of The Walking Dead was a season three where they couldn't commit to the governor doing what he needed to do. Wow, could they not commit to what Kang was committed? They could not commit to Kang conquering, pretty much. I have never seen a movie give you so many recaps for what is supposed to happen in the movie, but never actually showing you the villain doing Mm -hmm. the thing he's supposed to do. Uh, This is uh, Paul Rudd coming in, playing Paul Rudd for the third time. They've recast his daughter for the third time. Evangeline Lilly, for the third time, has been asking to be the lead. It is just the only two people having fun in this movie, surprisingly. 
is Michael Douglas, who is just chilling. Mm-hmm. And then, um, what's her name? Who we uh, we went back Michelle and Pfeiffer. did a whole deep dive on all the other movies that she's done. And Michelle Pfeiffer has got the easiest paycheck to do here because she is the one who finally yeah. takes what was Michael Douglas's role in the first one, which is to just give you an LME and recap everything. That's all mm-hmm. she's doing here. And when it comes to the best, but she goes, ah, you don't even want to hear about that part. Yeah, I don't know how you it's felt like, about this. Her character is essentially like the exposition dump. But she also refuses to do the exposition dump for about half the movie. For the first half of the movie, they just sit around and say, you didn't tell us anything about this. And then she stares off icily. Like, I, I don't know. Bro, when know. she hit them early on in the movie with like, I don't want to talk about it. Well, we got to talk about the quantum. Why don't you ever ask me? I'm like, man, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, Michael uh, Douglas too. Like, he, he's... He gets fun things to do in these movies, but I do get a sense of not just from him, but from most people in the cast that they feel a little like they're being held hostage here for 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 at least some of it. There's that funny bit on the red carpet going around where they ask him if he'd come back for a fourth. And he says, if they kill me, which I I guess same. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I don't know. I, th- I think the thing that you're talking about in in how they've botched the introduction to Kang uh, is that there's like a tonal there's like a a tonal mismatch going on here. The movie never really decides how big or small it wants to be, and I think the thing that has made these Ant Man movies, at least to me somewhat different, somewhat unique in the Marvel landscape and somewhat enjoyable as like alternates to what you normally get from the MCU. Is there smallness? Is there, is there scrappiness? Is the like minor scale that they're on? And yeah, like we get smaller than ever before, but the visual scope of the movie is of like a gigantic space epic. It's just unfortunately like this, spacious realm that's got these ugly purple and red and brown backdrops that also clash with the purple red and brown costumes that everybody has on so it just all looks like one big visual slop it's so hard to like really know what's happening in a lot of these scenes like there you there's isolated actions but there's never really a sense of ant-man uh Ant-Man against the scale of this movie. The way that in the previous two films, it's like, all right, he shrunk down and he's no longer, uh, he's now the size of something small that we understand, like a penny or an ant or a uh, a toy train set. Or he's big, he's as big as that building. Now he gets bigger, he gets smaller, and it's kind of like, don't matter. What is there even really to compare it to? Because this is all weird, made-up sci-fi rocks and and space or... Yeah, because like you're saying, there was I rewatched one and two, and they have these really cool sequences when they're like driving, or, 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 or they're driving and they're small, so the whole like space of it feels different. It feels like it's slowed yeah. down. The audio changes because they're a different size. There's the epic scene in the first one when you have the Thomas the Train Engine bit, and that's getting bigger Amazing. and smaller here because they're they're in the quantum realm, right? Which is the whole point of it is that it's like, I don't know, figure out anything they have right there. It's, it's this part of the mic so mm-hmm. tiny that it's the entire universe upon universe upon universe in there. So Zach's right. When they're getting bigger, when they're getting smaller, like <laughs> they're never getting bigger than the quantum realm. And there's no mm-hmm. space or anything to show you what's going on because they shot all this in the volume. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like Zach said, it's trying to be every like space opera possible over there. And I thought it was funny because 
yes, it's trying to do Star Wars, right? There are a lot of moments yeah. where uh, there's been several movies where we call it Star Wars, but in reality, this is the prequels to an insane degree. When they entered that bar, it right. literally felt like not the cantina from the, 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 the 70s. No, no, no. This was like what George Lucas was trying to do in the early 2000s. None of those mm-hmm. characters there, and I can't even find some of them, but I'll use this guy as an example. It's just a bunch of thro- stuff thrown at the screen. It's like Strange World. All of these yeah. different things that look cool for a frame, but you're like, would they really be there? They go to a bar, and the bar serves like liquids. But then there are rocks who don't have mouths, and it's like, right. how do they get yeah. served there? Nah, don't worry about that. <laughs> we just need them for the really yeah. cool shot. It's Star Wars by way of like a bad Rick and Morty episode because they've got all these like goofy It's the writer from Rick and like, Morty who wrote this. It, exactly. I mean, so you can you can feel that that sort of like desperation that sort of like loudness uh, uh that rick and morty gets to occasionally and like i i enjoy rick and morty but i i just think that the the humor here because it sort of gets tampered down to be that sort of like mcu make sure it appeals to all the markets thing it just sort of ends up feeling like <laughs> i don't know it just feels like energy in search of like humor, right? It, it's sort of the yeah. the cadence of a joke, but not something that's actually funny. And you see people like re- reacting like it's a joke, but it's you, you feel the absence of it. You feel the 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 wanting to be funnier than it is, and that's that's worse than actually not. I, I don't know than not doing a joke. They did that to your boy Chidi over here, dude. They gave him a dirty one. Have you ever seen like someone try to like hold somebody back, but the guy wasn't even Russian? That's what they had this mm-hmm. man do over here. Exactly what Zach was saying about them thinking there's a joke. They have him. Uh, Harper, right? What's his name? William? They have William this Jackson dude play Harper, a guy who can read minds. And supposedly there's a point where everyone's like yelling at each other. And he does this bit where he's like, stop, 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 stop. like he's trying to cut the laughter. Uh, in my theater, Zach, there was no laughter. There is no awkward moment, more <laughs> awkward moment than a man trying to like uh, c- cut through past the what would be the, the, the laugh track. And it's just silence. It's just crickets. Uh, there are yeah. moments or, later on in the movie where you get this menacing figure of Jonathan Majors coming in. And he's talking about how he's killed Avengers. This dude was ad-libbing lines that it makes me wonder why there's even a scriptwriter on this thing. <laughs> I am king. He ad-libbed on the day. Time is nothing but a prison or a cage. He ad-libbed on the day. What, like, are y'all paying him for screenwriting over here? Because at this point, I don't even, <laughs> this isn't a collaboration. He's coming in and he's the only one who's acting like this is Shakespeare while every other yeah. damn actor well, in this the, movie is waiting for lunchtime. That's the other thing that I think was sort of like a miscalculation because I love Jonathan Majors and I think his performance is good. It, like, there's this really interesting nature to how he delivers his lines because he's got this, I, I like that you bring up Shakespeare because he's it's English inflected and it's gentle, but yeah. there's something booming about it. And you can see in his face, he's like got this very mournful type of type of way that he carries yeah. himself. I thought it was a really interesting, uh, interesting like level to uh, frequency of the performance. I thought it was an interesting choice by Jonathan Majors for a different movie because nobody else is on the same page as him. And and no. you feel that tonal ping pong when you go from Paul Rudd doing his thing to Jonathan Majors delivering a monologue about how he's going to out, wipe out existence. And then, and, and then the guy comes in and he goes, oh, well, 
Thor. I get confused with him a lot. And it's like, why do you have to undercut the tension every single time? There were rumors yeah. that this had a test screening and that it was a lot more dreadful than it originally came out to be. That they were, it was mm. supposed to end on a different note. Everyone has probably seen the leaks out there since your girl, my girl, Evangeline Lily, has a completely different haircut in the final sequence of this movie without getting into full spoilers. And we've heard that it was like barely a month ago, probably the Wednesday right before this movie came out, before it was screened to critics. They were still filming stuff. And clearly they were trying to rearrange things. And look, I know every Marvel movie, every project has reshoots and stuff like that. But it just, it can't be that apparent that they don't really know where they're kind of taking it. Um, And my biggest thing was the tone. Because there's this bit uh, where you're kind of dealing with trauma. You have the character Mm -hmm. of MODOK. I don't know if it's a spoiler or not. (laughs) But the character of MODOK is... If you're uh, on Twitter, there's no way you haven't been spoiled to it. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the point, I guess. That's what they're going for to get the word out for it. Um, This dude is a complete joke, and yet somehow it convinced me by the end of it. At some point, I actually went from hating him to being, screw it, why not? We're here. Let me live in the quantum realm with y'all. It's so dumb, but I saw a through line of PTSD with that character, a PTSD Mm -hmm. with um, Janet's character who's been stuck. Uh, (laughs) Michael Douglas is getting cucked. Uh, Ant-Man, specifically, when you get to the point where he's finally having these introspective moments, and I'm like, whoa, what are you guys working with here? It was, it came out of nowhere. It felt like it was from a different draft, like something that another director had put there, where he's finally having these, like, Hawkeye moments where he's wondering, did I mess up? A a, a literal what-if scenario of, is he going to cause more destruction? Eh, never mind. Let's go back to some crazy jokes and whatever else. And I'm wondering how much of a re-edit that was where they didn't have the balls to go all out and have it another another Infinity War type ending to begin mm-hmm. Phase 5. And instead they toned it back a bit to the point that they yeah. end this movie on well, a joke and nobody felt it was a joke. Yeah, they end the movie basically in the exact same place where the movie started. And I know that like if you care about the greater continuity in these MCU movies, yeah, th- there's some sort of like change but like for almost every single character we see they end up in the exact same place where the movie starts and it's just sort of like it's a little bit like so why are we here why did we do this like why is why is this this like very small scale type of hero the way that you choose to introduce the like next universe spanning type of story and it never it never feels like properly calculated like i actually felt like that that little inner monologue he has toward the end of the movie would have been a good place to like start the first act of this movie i'm gonna give you another one i agree with you on there Give me that Janet flashback when Janet's like, yeah, you know, we had this moment here um, and I'm going to waste 20 minutes on that. And then uh, you don't want to hear about the part where I had to like hide in the wilderness against this crazy technology that comes from like millions of years in the future. Now, mm-hmm. I, I just survived for 30 years on that. What? Give me that series. Give me that movie. That sounds way more fascinating than yeah. having the cast be split for half the movie <laughs> and then having the most <laughs> dumbest cameos. What do you think of Bill Murray? I think that it, we are kind of like past the point where a surprise Bill Murray cameo is kind of like, oh, wow, I can't believe he showed up. You know, like it's, I think Zombieland was the last time where it's like, oh, wow, you know, Bill Murray, that's an unexpected. Now it's kind of a thing that happens. And particularly with the MCU's ability to kind of just like get anyone at any point, it never really, 
it, it doesn't really feel like that surprising anymore when somebody shows up. Like, he's Bill Murray. He's got good comedic timing. I think the scene in question, it, it has, like, this, again, huge tonal shift suddenly where it's kind of like you splice yeah. two different scenes together. It just, it fully worked for me. We also had, like I yeah. said, the third recasting of Cassie. Like, she has not, she made it through the blip, and she didn't make it through the, through the casting director. <laughs> Catherine yeah. Newton has I, been in, in several different things <sighs> that mm. I think people really like her for. I've heard people get really mixed things for her. I think she's a really cool person. Mm-hmm. Bro, have you seen the trends on TikTok for her? It's just montages of her mid-acting. And look... I feel bad for her. I'm not coming in on the defense club. I'm just saying y'all being real harsh on this girl as if it's not the terrible script that she had to work with. Yeah, not only a terrible script, but I imagine there's a lot of like acting opposite CGI. There's a clip going around on Twitter of her interaction with the Modoc character. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, because it's the worst scene of the year. Well, it's, it's, it's not... I think the scene as written could have been better, but there's like a clear, if you think about how the actors are delivering their lines, it's very clear. They are not acting opposite each other. Like they probably did that months apart from each other. And there's, it's like very clear. They're not in the room with each other. So it, of course I feel like she's probably less acquainted with that type of acting where you don't have a scene partner or your scene partner is a tennis ball or the volume, you know? I don't know if you heard, uh, it's always been her dream to work with Paul Rudd. So Paul Rudd just screwed with her the entire set and made her crack before filming. So every nice. single time they were about to yell action, he would just go up to her and just be like, oh, and like I told you, just remember not to laugh. And it would just go and she'd be cracking the entire time. Somehow she claimed she laughed at every single take, but they were able to use Adobe Podcast, that new software we were talking about before the yeah. show, because they just cut her out completely. So when you say that they really weren't in the same room, Zach... There were people shooting in the same, like, base, in the same stage, and somehow they were able to not just crop them out, their audio alongside with it. So this is the most stitched-together movie possible. I just wish that it was more exciting. I don't know how we have all this money invested, and you keep saying Ant-Man's the small guy. That's his power, but it's still got a big budget. To me, a small movie, a proper small movie, would be doing the, the, what's it called, the Jessica series that they had on Netflix. Daredevil. Yeah. That to me is grounded. There's too much CGI in this movie to be able to call it grounded. Way there's too there, much, there's yeah. too much goofy stuff. Uh, the Quantum Realm used to have this rule about the five hours. I had made a, a joke about how you know he was gone for five years and that equaled five hours in the Quantum Realm. And it turns out that doesn't matter because they're saying nope. that quantum ma- math changes every second. How convenient is that? I hate <laughs> the rules that they're playing with. They've become super lazy. And I'm just going to end it with... Kevin Feige came out and said, actually, no, let me give one big shout out. Shout out to her, bro. Y'all need more characters like this. Y'all need more characters like Katie's character. This woman mm. was ripped. She's the one who plays that like raid looking character who just like beats up people yeah. with the sledgehammer that she had. That was an awesome character. Feige. He wants to continue this series like comics. Here's what he forgets. Comics have been around for so long that they reboot. They restart. It's not the same Spider-Man series going on. You can call it Spider-Man 800, whatever. It's been too many incarnations. I don't know if he's going to be able to continue that with this. He claims there's going to be 80 years of the MCU. I I don't know if I can stay in eight more minutes of another Ant-Man movie. All of these movies have been filler. I'm happy for Paul Rudd. I'm glad they get their paychecks, but what's the point? Is this your new low for the MCU? No, because we just had Thor. That's what's so embarrassing. Y'all acting like we didn't have Eternals. 
Thor. Like, y'all, like, no, it's been back to... Someone made a montage of just the VFX. The floating Thor head. The eternal stuff yeah. that wasn't finished. She-Hulk. We're on phase five. Y'all have all the money in the world. How are you not sparing any expense? That's the worst part. It's the... <laughs> Do I don't you- expect much from them, but when you're getting actors like Jonathan and when you have all the budgets in the world and it's now two extra dollars to go sit in a seat at an AMC theater I'm sorry I need the movies finished yeah I I don't recommend it Zach but I would say wait for it at home yeah I don't know if you see the new MCU fanboy talking point going around like they can't all be good we need to sit through these to get to the end games um so let's let's talk about that for for a quick second though because I I think we we both agree that like the place the movie ended is at least more interesting than the place the movie started and now there is that promise of all these Kangs all these future uh, appearances from our boy Jonathan Majors where where do you feel going forward? We have a, a Guardians movie coming up, which is one of the few Marvel announcements that a lot of people seem excited for. They just pushed back the Marvels uh, from July, I think, to November. How do you feel about uh, going into the next couple MCU projects? Who's the leader? Of the Avengers? We don't know. <laughs> it, it's I don't want no Young be, Avengers. Uh, uh, Anthony Mackie, according to him. Uh, yeah, the man has <laughs> doubts that he's even going to be able to lead the team. So yeah. if y'all don't know, damn, I don't know either. What a terrible position to be in. <laughs> I don't have any faith in all the young kids coming together. There's a reason why you didn't have the the confidence to start them off in movies and you threw them to TV, specifically streaming, where you don't have to worry about weekly ratings. I don't know who's going to be leading these teams. They're firing everybody who's got who, who makes all the money, right? They just got rid of Angela mm-hmm. Bassett. They got rid of all of the original Avengers cast. Who Who is going to be the leader of this new team that's going to get people into theaters? There is no way you can release another Avengers movie and have that flop. You can't. And they don't have a team ready for that. There are no Robert yeah. Downey's. There are, there are, what, how, how many more movies does Thor have on them? Like, I am pretty worried where they're going to take it. I, I, I think it's going to be a lot rockier than people want it to be. Here's the craziest part. I don't want to get into too much spoilers, bro. But they really are telling you, just stay at home. We got some stuff on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> don't worry about coming to the theater. We got some stuff on Disney+. Plus, and that is crazy to me. We are no longer even being pushed to go to theaters, kind of. Um, we get like $7.99 from you for sure secured every single month if you go over to Disney+. Plus. Let's continue doing that. And at that point, it's like... Uh, it, it's not really about building the story, but about how many uh, rev- pockets of revenue they can get you at. I don't know. It yeah. feels like a lot of homework going into a lot of these. But that's to do with the after credits. To answer that question, they better not be setting up Jonathan Majors. Because the first thing when we came out of the theater, I messaged you. I was like, who the heck did you see up on screen? They got Jonathan Major answering the question, acting is acting. <laughs> and they decided <laughs> to put this man... And it was, I don't want to spoil it, but when they talk about incarnations, they really mean, what if Jonathan Major, what if we got an actor who can play every nationality and and pull a nutty professor and not get canceled for it? Right. Like, they are crazy for that. He clearly, like, is willing to go to goofy places for some of these incarnations. I don't know why the first iteration of Kang we saw was one that isn't goofy at all in an Ant-Man movie. Here's the thing. Yeah, this is the Conqueror. The one from Loki was like, I guess, another individual. This is the Conqueror. Like, there's not another one. He is the Conqueror. Yeah. 
Right. Man, he the sucked, bro. He didn't do anything. He didn't conquer. Like, if you're going up against Ant-Man, I, how is Paul Rudd? You beat up Michael B. Jordan, bro. Ants. What's Ants? I don't want no Ants. How do you beat you up like this? I'm done with this movie, bro. Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Quantumania. It's out in theaters. I say uh, wait for it at home. I think Zach agrees yeah. the same way. But I don't know. It's his favorite franchise out of these 31 flavors from Marvel that we've gotten. But, um... Hey, they hired, yeah, I hired nothing, my boyfriend. I, got I think you right should there. leave. That 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 was kind of cute. <laughs> Who? The the steering wheel guy. He's the coffee shop dude. You know what? I'm I will give them that. They have done really good casting. I said I was done with this, bro. Zach, why are you gonna keep pulling me back? <laughs> they baited people with Randall Park just to be in one scene in the beginning. Ugh. Y'all sick for that? Two. Yeah. Shout out David uh, Dasmalshian. He played the uh, little uh, yeah people have known him as Polka Dot Man. Uh, the worst thing that they did in this movie. You're talking about it being small scale? Why'd you get rid of the trio? Why'd you get rid of his entire group? That's the... Yeah. Can you imagine how much funnier it would have been if Michael Pena was in the quantum realm? I mean, at this point, yeah. (laughs) At this point, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Um, he played the little, uh, the guy with the holes, the, the, the web dude. He was on set actually playing that. So good for him for being able to find another role to go in there. Somebody stuck Um, around. Somebody stuck around, but yeah, you were right. They had mentioned, I don't know why I can't find him here, but yeah, the guy who says the steering wheel and it flies off the whatever in one, uh, Tim Heidecker's the, the boat guy and his garbacho yeah. soup one is one of my favorite ones from, I think you should leave. So look, they have really good comedians in here. I just wish yeah, they, they cast it well, made better movies. They cast it well. They cast it well. All right, Zach, moving on to some other stuff that is also playing in theaters. We had this movie that I don't think you had the chance to catch. Yeah, should we spend uh, a half an stick hour to on the theater as well? well? Nah, bro, we going two minutes on this. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, a movie that cannot copyright claim you because this is a movie made out of the, what is it, 100 years that Winnie the Pooh has been IP and thus now it is uh, available for yeah. public domain. Public and domain. And this is the first movie that decided to snatch this thing up to make it a horror film out of all things. But the problem is, is that it sucks. Uh, this isn't a movie where it's so bad it's good. This is a movie where it's so bad because they had to rush it out just to be the first to make yeah. a project out there. Um, their production design is horrendous. The storyline is that the 100 Acre Woods is where these um, animals were laid to just kind of survive and fend for their own after a young boy named Christopher Robin who promised them the world left them to die, bro. They left them to die that they had to resort. Is it cannibalism if you're eating other animals? <laughs> but you, you are an animal? Uh, they end up yeah. resorting to that. And because of that, they become these bloodthirsty animals who are out in the woods trying to snatch up anybody that they can, specifically seeking revenge on Christopher Robin. It's the dumbest movie. It this, looks like poop. This isn't it the Woody looks like a YouTuber you shot it. Yeah, or that I want to remember either. Yeah. Whenever they do close-ups on any of these characters, it looks... Like a cosplayer who's like forgot to put the, the, the part of the mask that's supposed to go in. You can taste the leather damn near when you're watching the movie. None of it feels real. None of it uh, has any interesting moments. It feels like hostile without a budget. <laughs> Half of these scenes are like Texas Chainsaw Massacre when he's trying to torture them. Uh, mm-hmm. When they're hanging off of the like the, the meat conveyor belt. But that's it. It is the ugliest looking movie. I wish there was more redemptive moments. They spend it all on the marketing, bro. I don't, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh, do not catch this in theaters. Don't even catch it, it at home. This is a straight-to-tubey movie. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it seems like the worst kind of terrible uh, cash in on like people's familiarity with IP. I mean, they, like you said, the whole idea behind this movie is to kind of be the first people out there to take something that people know and a lot of people love and twist it because it's in the public domain. And really like what, what this movie is, is like, it is like a kind of schmuck bait of sorts. It's like, we bet you will won't see this crazy Halloween Winnie the Pooh movie. It's like, Oh yeah, well I'll, I'll check bet. this out. It's like, bet. it's awful. It's awful. <laughs> bet I won't. Yeah. Dude, do you remember the Power Rangers movie that came out not too long ago? There was one that went straight to YouTube and it had gotten yeah. all of this, like, uh, I don't even want to say acclaim, but a lot of people were going back and forth with it because it was a short film. It came out before the movie. Why yeah, is it pulling yeah. up the movie? But you know what I'm talking about? And it was made by this one guy. It, didn't he, like, go who, on to like, Turbo it, Kid or something like that? Yes! Some, okay, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. In fact, yeah. the dude has a movie that's going to be coming out at South By. Yeah, here we go. It's the uh, one with Katie Sackhoff. This is the best example of being able to make fan fiction and then being able to actually make a product that... I don't right. know, you can make independently and create something. I am not against that because we are in an era where like Marvel and Disney and especially when we get into some HBO shows where they're taking Scooby-Doo and then ripping everything that has nothing to do with Scooby-Doo. At least for this, it's franchise properties that are given a new spin by people right. who care about them, right? Exactly. They don't have Somebody to be who... the, the family-friendly stuff. Somebody who had an actual idea to sort of riff on an existing thing yeah. and expand it Not rather this. than somebody who's just using it to cash in and get attention and hype. Yeah. I, I've realized this could just be me and it could change. I hate corporate fan fiction. I am tired of HBO mm. putting fan fiction and then calling it the IP. I'm like, no. Yeah. The IP that you own, keep it the IP. Let people go to Wattpad or whatever. I don't know what this is. This should not be in theaters. This needs to go straight home. I am not against people making these movies, but why is this taking up a spot in a theater? Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Flush it when you can. Apple TV Plus, though, did have a movie that had a lot of people intrigued with it. I had people messaging me going like, yo, have you caught this? I was a little rocky mm -hmm. at the beginning. I didn't know where it was going to go, but I think it stuck the landing. I think it uh, had a 6 out of 10 on the landing. But still a fun movie. Yeah. It played in theaters. It's at home. You feel kind of with me? I don't want to spoil it I, too I much, think, but as long as you agree with me. I'm I'm with you, but I think I'm a little bit less so on, on the sticking the landing. Oh, less I mean, so? I, All right. Yeah, I mean, I just think, like, it, it reaches a point. It, like, this is like a classic kind of con man style movie. Yep. Uh, you know, it's it's taking, like your usual suspects or your, uh, I don't know, your uh, confidence uh, or your uh, duplicities and then applying the sort of like succession style, high class New York gloss over it. So it's like uh, con men in the world of high society. So it's, it's like pretty to look at and they've got a pretty solid cast. I do think it's kind of funny how much the movie's marketing is bait and switching you with yes. thinking this is kind of like a Julianne Moore movie when she doesn't show up until maybe 45 minutes in. Uh, but Sebastian yeah. Stan's very good in it, which which I think Fantastic. is one of the things that's very compelling about it. I just think it gets to a point where it's like, first of all, I felt like most of the twists weren't the kind of twists that excite you. They're just the kind of twists like, ah, oh, I didn't think about that. And then it gets to a point where there's so many twists that it's almost like a parody of a twisty movie. 
<laughs> you know, like it's I, I you didn't need to to twist on that twist. I agree with you, but there was something funny about like just them committing to that. There's a bit where Julianne yeah. Moore just freaks out, and I'm like, I can't tell if it's entering a camp era. Because yeah. Sebastian Stan had those moments early on, and I agree with you. There's This poster had me intrigued to go into it. I, too, saw Sebastian Stan, and I was like, all right, let's go. Yeah. The movie and the way that it's told, I don't want to say too much because I knew very little going into it. I thought I had put on the wrong movie. I, I agree with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> some of was like, nobody who was in the main cast is in this main cast. And the way that it's told, I think, is very effective. So I want to keep it plain and simple yeah. for people to go into it. Um, I was never bored with the movie, but I was Same. wondering uh, how like it felt like it was getting very conflated with what the characters' motivations and what they wanted to achieve and then what ended up happening and what they should know about each other. But I still think it's worth the thrill ride. I, I probably wouldn't have gone to theaters to go see it, but I think if you're mm-hmm. catching it at home, it's a pretty decent thriller uh, to watch. Yeah. Just a little too long, in my opinion, at 115. I think it should have been Definitely. a little bit more brisker and I would have been more lenient on it. Definitely. But, like uh, It feels like if it, was a, if it was a quicker, uh, more tightly constructed thriller... It would be an easy mm-hmm. recommendation. I think if you like these kinds of movies, if you if these this cast intrigues you, you'll you'll be satisfied. Yep. But like, it's not exactly like something to go out of your way for. Mm-hmm. But if you like Sebastian Stan, you have to. He plays the sleaze so well, bro. He's, He's really been, like good. one superhero, who's also technically like half bad, and then the yeah. rest has just been sleaze balls the entire time. People love yeah. him. Uh, I don't so know yeah, if my big Sebastian my, Stan. Like my anti-Marvel glasses are so strong that like, I just never really saw it with him in Winter Soldier, but I've been really, really enjoying some of his recent work uh, in Fresh, in uh, Pam and Tommy, even though I don't like the show that much. I, I just, He's developing into a pretty, pretty interesting actor. Yeah. Defender of Monday over here as well. Pretty good in that. Uh, so yeah, those are all of the movies that were out that played in theaters to some degree. Some of the other stuff that we have over here as well was two streaming specials that you were able to see. Yeah. I have these on my radar, specifically the second one, because I think he's really funny. But talk about the first one that's on HBO Max. Yeah, you're usually the guy who comes in here with the uh, reviews of the comedy specials. But I had a, I caught Busy a couple that... Uh, that caught my eye. Uh, first of all, Mark Marin from Bleak to Dark. Uh, we talked previously about how he's done a bunch of Netflix specials and made the jump over to HBO. I think HBO is trying to uh, do a little bit more of a comedy push. As they recently. should. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it's a solid special from, from him. I think if you're familiar with Mark Marin, you know he's this guy who carries a lot around a lot of angst, a lot of sort of like existential um, ennui. And, you know, that's what the intros of his podcast typically hint at is like his his sort of uh, his distrust and like uh, disinterest at large with a lot of the world. Uh, So you get that flavor and that sort of uh, existential uh, angst from him in the special in a very funny way. You know, if you're the kind of person who feel like thinks the world is doomed. There's going to be a lot that speaks to you in the first half of this. But what really stood out to me was the latter half of it, which delves a little bit more into his uh, relationship with the late director, Lynn Shelton, who uh, of course died in 2020 and uh, who was in a relationship with Mark Maron at the time. Uh, And it's a really brilliantly kind of constructed look at grief and and the the process of oh, caring wow. for okay. someone who's dying, uh, and it just has these like unexpected punchlines that hit so hard. Um, so I just 
you know, I went into it hoping to get, you know, the type of Mark Maron comedy that I'm used to. And I ended up being very touched by it and and almost uh, brought to tears. So I would recommend it, especially if you have an interest in him or or, uh, Lynn Shelton even. Sounds good. I'd only seen the trailer to it because it played on HBO Max, and he did. He was like, oh, the doom, the all the terror we've been going through. And I was like, I don't know if I want to sit through another, hey, didn't life suck for the last three years one? But as depressing as the second half sounds, it actually has me intrigued. So I'm going to be checking yeah. that one out. You also caught another one. This this dude has the best just, just we call, call it deadpan. He just sounds bored, and it's so funny to me when he mm-hmm. speaks. The man who came from a clown himself, Nate Bargates. This one is on Prime Video. Yeah, um, an interesting special. I I, was, I think I'm less familiar with him than you. but oh, He looks I, good, bro. He really... looks good. He looks clean. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a it's a good special. It's a really he's just funny. like yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, you get a really set good sense of like his perspective and his sort of uh, worldview. He he's this guy who fe- grew up a little bit sheltered and now is is maybe like uh, ha- has has a bit of. Uh, has brings that understanding to like the modern world with a bit of empathy and also just a bit of like skepticism. And I don't know. I think, I think it's just very wry and funny. I think his delivery, as you mentioned, is particularly special. Like he just has this way that he can turn a a word and, and make it funny. It was, it definitely was something that uh, was very easy to watch and very fun to watch. So even though I wasn't very familiar with him, I recommend people check it out. Go back and watch his other stuff, dude, because, yeah, the way he tells jokes, it's like yeah. he drops it. His jokes are like he accidentally dropped yes. the punchline. And then it's yeah. like him and everybody realizing, oh, there's the joke. It's just such a funny delivery. That's a great way of putting uh, it. Right? Uh, no, I, I, I love the way he flows. Uh, LaShawn had mentioned, and this this is one, I, I, we never got to talk about this. You heard, yeah. right? They announced like two months ago. Next mm-hmm. month, if I'm not mistaken, in March, it's going to be the first time that Netflix has live-streamed a comedy special. Live-streamed <laughs> I was laughing because... I think. I, anything and I, I yeah because they've done it what they've done has been on YouTube so th- that doesn't count um, it being the first Netflix live stream production I think is really interesting one I was so dumb I was about to ask for screeners to it <laughs> I know I thought about it for a quick second but I'm really intrigued with what they're going to do like are they yeah, going to the be Chris able Rock to censor on the spot Chris is, Rock by name yet yeah so sorry is, is that it's going to be Chris Rock uh, I don't know if you're if that intrigues you if that's something you'd like to see Prime, HBO, a lot of these other places go. Because right now it's live specials repackaged from concerts to everything else. Yeah. I like this move. This is going to be big. And it makes me wonder, is this the new form of content to be on these yeah. streaming services? Well, that's the thing is like we are seeing uh, a lot of the streaming services make a push into to live, right? Like one of the big selling points in Peacock is they have all that like soccer coverage and they had the Olympics back when they first launched. HBO this year, I know we talked about it back at Sundance, they just picked up the rights to U.S. soccer. So coming off the World Cup, hey, are you interested in watching the U.S. national team? Well, now it's streaming live on HBO. So Netflix wow. also getting into that live game. To me, I'm I'm the thing that really intrigues me about the Chris Rock special is less the special, which I will watch because I generally like Chris Rock's comedy. It's that they are moving into live streaming and opening up the Thank side you. of the market. And, Thank you. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Netflix developing some sports content of their own. But it makes me wonder, like, is this the the testing pad before they stream a live golf event, stream a live 
race uh, racing Ooh. event stream some live soccer you know we'll we'll see we'll see i mean you're right uh just watch right i even want to pull that up right now just watch has officially become uh a sports <laughs> thing as well yeah and that should showcase to you where everything is headed you're right dude i hate peacock new list of movies because I have to go through, I don't know how many PGAs before I go like, okay, so this 20 sporting events, but here's the one reality show, I guess that was posted up. Sports is a backbone for a lot of these things. Prime was not playing when they got Thursday night football, right? Mm -hmm. Hulu, like they're trying to get rid of Hulu, but they're never going to get rid of ESPN over with ABC. Yeah. We also, it's going to be the new way of looking at things. I also don't know if we, we mentioned uh, as long as we're on the subject of Netflix uh, live uh, stuff, that Netflix picked up the rights to the Screen Actors Guild Awards. They're streaming it this year on their YouTube, and then next year they'll be streaming it on Netflix's platform. So not just really? uh, not just comedy, not just sports, but we're talking about award shows. Another thing that is a generally big draw for audiences. So decent. Okay. Yeah. I like the second part of them finally putting it onto their service because, again, Prime has been hiring a lot of content creators, right? I'm trying to get to the point where it really starts affecting bigger than just the, the big distribution stuff. They're yeah. hiring a lot of content creators. Netflix is hiring a lot of content creators. A lot of that stuff is on mm-hmm. YouTube. At what point would you not want to deal with any of the YouTube stuff, any of the splits, and not just host the stuff there? I've mentioned Tubi. You can find mm-hmm. a way to post things on Tubi. Be the first at the movies on Tubi. If everybody's watching stuff there... Hmm, why go to YouTube for recommendations and not have a movie show there? Reactions there, explainers there. I think yeah. it's only a matter of I'll, time where if they're going to be putting the shows, the Netflix Film Club's going to be on Netflix. I'll just speak as a fan of MLS, the American Soccer League. Apple just launched their MLS season pass. It looks clean. Uh, with, it's it's really clean. Everything is pretty easy to find in one place. Like if you're looking for the highlights, if you're looking for club profiles, player pro, it's it's pretty nice. And and a step up from like what ESPN's coverage of MLS was too. So it's, yeah. I mean, if you're a sports fan, it's 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 exciting as well. And the Apple ones, the Friday uh, baseball stuff that they had, I had never Ooh. seen baseball look that, that crispy, bro. So there we go. the tech's just moving up. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we got one final movie before we give a little shout out to the inner cuties and the patrons that we have over there. But I just want to give a recommendation to this own movie, Spoiler Alert. Uh, it had come out yeah. right at the end of last year. It was uh, you know, a love story uh, about these two dudes who come together after not having people for a long time. And it's kind of told uh, from the beginning of their relationship towards the end. And when one of them gets really sick, it's in the title. Spoiler alert. You know when a movie has the balls to tell you it's going to end really sad. And then it, you still sit through it, get mm. to know them, get to love them, and go, ah, oh, what the heck. It's one of those movies where every cute moment that they have automatically also hits you in the gut. Because you're like, oh, that's really adorable. He's going to go. Why? <laughs> Jim Parsons is really good in this. He gives, mm-hmm. he goes all out in his performance as the... Um, husband the partner who really wants to make sure that he can take care of his loved one ben aldridge though i've been on this man for a minute right now i thought he was one of the best parts of knock at the cabin i didn't really have him on my radar like that so going straight into spoiler alert i thought he was able to give a, a really good performance in there as well that uh was completely different than what he had to do at knock he's on my radar bro i, I think he's a pretty solid actor and overall the movie was just adorable uh sally field is just always coming in with this quirkiness that she had from 80 for brady she has it here as well um 
I thought I thought it was a pretty solid movie. It's like the perfect stream, and nice. I think we ended up for whatever reason watching it on Valentine's Day. Um, oh. not not on purpose or anything, and it was just like a, a perfect little half rom com, full on drama that does get you in the feels, but. It's perfect to watch at home because at least that way you can cry without anybody being there. Um, it also comes from Michael Showalter, the homie, bro. Like, yeah, <laughs> nobody do it like him. So, really good director, pretty decent movie. Check it out if you can. Oh, that's right, bro. You nice. did Doris. No wonder she was in the movie as well. Yeah. All right, spoiler. Pretty pretty good movie. Zach, give a shout out to all of the inner cutie patrons yeah, and supporters. Yeah, let's do it before we. Getting to some the TV that we're going to cover this week. We'd like to thank the Intercuity Plus patrons, those wonderful people who support this show. They are Ewan, Rone, Julieta, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Ashley, Brady, Sean, Michael, Matt, Mr. Kobayashi, Nick, LaShawn, who I see in the live stream. Julieta is in the live Woo. stream as well. Josh uh, oh, is in the live stream as well, too. Uh, shout out to Devesh. And Diana as well. Our Academy level members are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, Pete, Marion, May, Ricky, Joe, Tone, and Janicia. I think I saw Connor in the live stream as well. And then, of course, the biggest thanks to the producer level patrons. They are Awkward, Udenvir, and Sam Thanks again for all the support and reminder that you too can become a member at patreon.com slash intercutpod where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to some intercut episode outlines, early access to some intercut episodes, access to the private channels on the intercut discord where you can chat with us throughout the week and an invitation to our monthly patron Google meetings, which I think we got to do one of those next week probably, right? (laughs) We have to. Uh, for the inacuities listening, we had such a good one, and we're going to repeat it to you. We were going to literally drive around all of Park City on the final day that we were going to be there. We we're going to show you every single theater for a whole hour on the live stream. But you kind of need a car for that. So if you heard the last yeah. one, you know what happened there. So we do we, we do need one, but hopefully for yeah. South By, uh, Ooh. that got approved. Finally going to go to his first South By. We got Kaylin going. We got Amanda going. Uh, hopefully, we're going to be able to get over there as well. But that's going to be a perfect place to also do it because we'll be able to finally do that live stream that we wanted to do uh, where we get to take you all through the festival because what better way, what better hangout than actually hanging out and bringing you all with. But uh, we are going to have to do some other ones to make up for January's and uh, February's for this month. Probably working on some brackets because we have a lot of leftover ones from last year. And I figured what yeah. better way than to actually get you all yeah. to tune in on that. Um, but then we also have some Oscar stuff. I think we have not had a discussion about the Oscar reactions with everybody, uh, and that'll probably be the one to have yeah. before the actual ceremony. <laughs> and we'll have to get our picks in before we leave for South by because the Oscars are happening while we're in Austin. We might have to live stream our reaction from South by like we re- live streamed our be. nominations reactions from Sundance. I already told Zach we're going to be sitting at the closing night film. He's going to be watching the Oscars. I'm going to be watching The Last of Us, and we will be so editing I, <laughs> an after credits. Yeah, I looked it up. The movie's Cora Bora, the Meg Stalter one, and there's another showing, so I think I think we can skip that one. I don't know, bro. I don't know, bro. I want to see that one. Is that the, the last showing or the first showing of it? The first showing of Cora Bora. I want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll either talk. way, big shout out to all of the inacuities and all of the viewers watching live. Shout out to everybody who's in the chat. We appreciate y'all, as you know. Um, so let's take it. Wrap up the show with some of the TV stuff. Yeah. 
We didn't get to a lot of these last week, so we're going to go through them pretty briskly because most of these we don't really care for, and there's <laughs> one we really care for. All right, yeah. starting from the bottom, going up. We're going to keep it pretty simple here. That 90s show. A lot of people have been excited for this to return. I like the 70s show. Uh, yeah. It was always playing for me. I can't say that I was super connected to it. I feel like that was a generation, not not the generation, but like the a couple classes above me. That mm-hmm. was the show that they were watching. So I'm kind of in the middle of this, even as a 90s kid. I think it's really cringy. I've been a big person, a big yeah. proponent on all of the 80s cringe because we're all of the all of the people who were around for the 80s are now directors. So that's how we got Stranger Things and everything, right? There's always that 30-year rule. We're now entering the 90s, and I'm keeping it with me going, it's still cringe. Like, you're still just relying on something and not yeah. really uh, fulfilling it. You're just going like, you remember that thing from the 90s? And then it also has to be a reboot, which is kind of cringe, of a show, which already kind of had a specific tone that was perfect for the 2000s. I don't know if it's perfect for the 2020s. I don't know if you got any of these episodes, Zach. I caught a... The first third of it, I want to say, when we were at Sundance. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. I, I don't want to hate it, but it's I, not good. I saw the trailers, and it kind of told me all I think I needed to know. I mean, that 70s show, I'm with you. That's like a show that I was – it was on a lot of the time. Like, I've caught so many reruns in it. And it's a perfectly entertaining kind of like, you know, hangout uh, background watch t- tends to be. But, like, I don't know if there's enough bones there – that really made it make a lot of sense to like bring it all back together unless the cast is great. And like, that's one of the the real legacies of that 70s show is that they found a lot of really talented people, but to this day, yeah, great point. Nope. Yeah. That's the best part. Yeah. Maybe these people will develop into, maybe they'll develop into something, but doesn't seem like they're there yet. Look at this frame, dude. It looks like a Disney Channel thing. This looks like the third spinoff to Girl yeah. Meets World, Boy Meets Whatever, bro. Like, it just looks bad. The f- original yeah, didn't look that bad. Like, it still frame. had this... Yeah. It had a sitcom feel to it, but it didn't feel as fake as this Netflix stock stuff does. So, uh, mm. that 90s show, I don't want to overly hate it. If you're a big fan of the 70s show, let me know. But I feel like y'all already did, because no one really shouted out for this. Uh, I think it may have gotten a season two. We'll see how they develop. Uh, I'll leave it there. I don't want to cancel them right away. The part one, though, of You was released for season four, and it had a lot of people wondering what was going to happen, what he was going to do now that he's overseas. If I'm not mistaken, didn't he, like, end up in France? But Emily was there? So then they move him to London, bro. (laughs) It's just a random behind-the-scenes things happen, right? Then more behind-the-scenes, right? This man didn't want to sleep with anybody because of his wife. Everybody had an opinion on that. There was so much behind the scenes, changing with the with the production, and then the story, which is being split into part one and part two. I have received all of the episodes. I saw part one, and it ends on this, you know, kind of cliffhanger on, is he going to be repeating his, his madness yet again, but in a different place? Bro, I don't want to spoil what happens, because I legally can't. It goes to a place... That is so goofy. I told you when we were at Sundance that my brother texted me. He never texts me. He never yeah. gives me a review about anything. He said, don't watch part two of you. It is the worst thing that he's ever wasted his time on. Wow. It ain't that great, bro. <laughs> I'm <laughs> one episode away from wrapping it all. But what they did in eight and nine makes absolutely no sense. You are comp- Part one is irrelevant to what ends up happening in part two. I felt. They ran the course with this. Jenna, you were saved jumping over to Wednesday than to sticking with the, than sticking with this show. It is, it is not good. I don't know if you kept watching you, if you ever hopped on you. 
I I never hopped on the on the board of you. I, I don't know. It just never was like the kind of show that I tend to jive with. Uh, I know it's not Ryan Murphy, but it feels like it could be Ryan Murphy. <laughs> it does have some Ryan Murphyness to it. Um, look, I like Penn Brad, Brad Bradley Bradley, whatever his last name Bradley? is. I think he's good in the show. He does this <laughs> funny thing where he's like always narrating. So his narration, mm-hmm. I think, is out of pocket. It's not good, but it's it's fun to watch. Because it's a mixture of the goofy things they have him say. But then if you mute it, half of his performance are these expressions. And I, I I don't know. I find it entertaining for the first three seasons. I think it's running its course with season four. But people are still loving it. And part two comes out right before we head over to South By. So that is out there for people to enjoy. Velma on HBO Max. Or do you have another thing? No, I, I'm just laughing because anytime I hear Penn Badgley's name, I remember the joke of uh, cop asks somebody, oh, what's your name? And then the guy ler- nervously looks around at the cop's shirt, Penn Badgley. <laughs> That's so dumb. That's a Velma joke. Velma is yeah. the new series on HBO that has, holy, I've never seen the rating. It is a new show. <laughs> it's the on worst HBO rated Max. show on IMDb. 1.5? This is what I meant when we were talking about um, Winnie the Pooh. At least that one was Randos taking it and trying to make something and then just making a terrible product. Right. Bro, this is the company account. <laughs> this is the yeah, people who it, own it, it. What are they doing? I, I don't know. This is such a like awful, complete mis- miscalculation of like what this show maybe could or should be. I mean, I've, I've rare, it's rare to see a show that is so actively hostile towards the people who might watch it. It hates it, yeah. It, it mocks adult animation despite being adult animation. It mocks people do, who do drugs <laughs> despite being filled with druggy humor. It's constantly mocking progressive political ideas besti- despite being a show that has race swapped nearly That's all it? of the characters from Scooby-Doo. Right? It, it really, it's Dude. like actively resents the show that it was based on it feels like it's like when you watch those film award shows and all they do is complain about the nerds who watched movies for the year exactly yeah it's completely yeah. pointless you're watching all of these characters right the ip these individuals who have specific characteristics and just said what if we just threw them all away and just kept the skeletons of it there's that joke going around about taika star wars movie where he's not going to have any Skywalker or anything and it's going to take place somewhere else with a completely different... At what point is that just a space movie and has nothing to do with Star Wars? That's what's mm-hmm. going on here, dude. I literally was on episode three going, Scooby, for real, where are you? This makes... <laughs> there are so many jokes in here that, like you said, is counteractive to the audience that it wants to be. It's pissing yeah. off every side at once. And I'm going to bring up a better example of HBO doing this right. Harley Quinn just had a Valentine's Day special, and this is a show that understands every single one of the characters and its Mm. IP, and is still doing something crazy with them, but they're still the characters. They're caricatures of what they're supposed to be. Like, they take Poison Ivy to the the craziest degree on being a vegan, right? Harley Quinn's already a cartoon character, so she flows well. But what they do with Bane... And being this linguist, it's funny. It it mm. takes things that you've known from from the characters in the past. Bro, this this hates the characters. This almost yeah. feels like they wanted to get back at like fans of of Fred. You know the Fred fan base. You know how big they are. Yeah, we gotta go at them. Like it's such yeah. a it random such... amount of hate the show has. 
they have such a hard on for belittling the Fred character. It feels like it's some part of hu- a humiliation a vendetta. or something. Like it's there weird. Yeah. Uh, people have always talked about Mindy Kaling's comedy. And I'm, I'm look, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I don't think every joke misses in the show. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think there are some that are funny and they ruin them because they put it in a Scooby-Doo show. There's yeah. a lot of this comedy that she's done in The Office late night. I know she has another show because now she, they're putting her on uh, – or she was a little bit in the morning show. But she had a previous one that she did that played for a little bit. I'm a – Mindy Project? I feel so dumb. Yeah, I feel so dumb. Yeah. What was the show <laughs> with Mindy Kaling? The Mindy Project. The <laughs> yeah. humor there works well because at least it's her own creation. Yeah. Y'all need to realize you can't take like your, your style of humor that is working in one place and then force it into a property – that other people grew up with. And then people are going to be like, look, I don't have a problem with your jokes, but they just don't fit here. So I do think yeah. there's a lot of funny stuff in the show. I just keep, keep the Wattpad stuff over there. Yeah, I'm tired exactly. of corporations really doing just, fan fiction. It feels like the worst marriage of like a company need wanting to mine a new show out of their IP oh, and giving it to dude, some like, yeah, writing team because like i know a lot of people have been talking about well mindy's not an actual writer on the show the person who is show running the show is a long time mindy project writer so it's it's not like there's no like familiarity and i doubt there's no consultation with the show led by mindy let's let's be real for a second here but what's next that wasn't lebron james call we know who's running (laughs) the show she's the voice it's her jokes like y'all defend in the weirdest way the, the the deflection it's dumb. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. Yeah. She's the lead in the show. And also, yeah. that's never and, and, applied to anybody else. When another voice yeah. actor who runs the show and is a big prominent thing, they get the blame, even if they're not the writer. <laughs> exactly. And, like, it, you know, you talk about the way that they inject things that feel like they don't belong. There's this whole, like, weird PTSD ghost thing that it just feels like it's, like, a, from a completely separate universe than what than everything else happening. So I don't know. There's like a, it feels like this was, sh- the show was sort of doomed from conception. Why, that, why would anybody want to sco- watch a Scooby-Doo associated property without Scooby-Doo? The same reason that Dick Tracy came out in this weird little yeah, TCM special. I so had to, you bro. Did. You know, I'll find a, I'll find a tangent and a connection somewhere. Talk about it, dude. Actually, no. Explain it to me because I have no idea what this was. But it sounds like it's the same reason why HBO felt the need to whore out uh, a Scooby-Doo project just because they needed to. Yeah. I mean, we know that uh, Warren Beatty's got the rights to Dick Tracy because they made the Dick Tracy movie uh, before in in 1990. And apparently this new TCM special in which... Dick Tracy, the character played by Warren Beatty, sits down for a conversation with Warren Beatty at one point. Uh, they made this whole thing for TCM, but they're also playing it in some theaters. I, I don't know. I just Why? saw like I one at one point, literally everybody that I follow on film Twitter seemed to be watching it. Uh, it just yeah. seems like a crazy creation. I actually haven't caught up with it, but at least it seems I more don't want to catch up with it. Than Velma. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really. That's Mankiewicz, right? Yeah, in the lower left. I don't. I don't like Mankiewicz. I do like what's the name on the right? Uh, Maltham. He's he's funny. I don't know how they roped yeah. him into this because he's interviewing interviewers for the interviews that they did, and the interviews not shot like an interview. It's shot like it's breaking the fourth wall. I don't know. Yeah. I kind of mess with it a little bit because it just yeah. felt like Tommy Wiseau's The Room. 
vibe as a special for uh, an anniversary. It makes yeah. no sense. It's so dumb. But it wasn't the worst Ugh. thing. He did his thing. He did the thing. There you go. Yeah. It wasn't the worst thing that was out there this week. That's a fact. Did the um, thing. But yeah. He did the thing. I'm not going to talk about it, Zach. Let's talk about some pilots that came out instead. <laughs> sure, uh, We sure. had a couple of different ones from different streaming services, and you got some that maybe should be on my radar, maybe not. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think I linked Gina Rodriguez instead of the project that she's in. Uh, which oh, no is not She is the project. Yet. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, do you like watching Gina Rodriguez or not? And I do think that she has uh, a lot of charisma in, in movies and TV. I'm not so the sure. The ghost get pregnant like, in this one? <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure this is the, the best project for her. Uh, it, not dead yet. She plays a kind of like hot mess in her late 30s who works as a reporter and it just got hired to a new job where she's mostly writing obituaries for people. But also she starts to see ghosts of the people that she's writing articles about. So it's sort of yeah. like that that show that a lot of people liked. I think it was like on Freeform, uh, the bold type, but meets that hit for CBS ghosts. Like it's try- trying to yeah. have... It wore a foot in the world of like journalism and writers, and then another foot in the world of like paranormal, wacky ghost comedy. And it, it you feel, kind of feel the show almost like shifting into different gears between moments because it's the two halves never feel like they're on the same show to me. Uh, it, it's oh, yeah. like it, it, maybe they, I think there's enough like charming people, and there's like enough of a, a charming setup that maybe this series will, like, come into its own. I only watched the first two episodes that felt very, very setup-y. Um, but it's it's certainly not something that, like, grabbed me right away. It feels pretty uh, derivative, at least so far. People love those shows, though. Ghosts that you were mentioning. Oh, yeah. My family loves that on Paramount. I, yeah, it's I, I don't know if it's connected. Yeah, I don't know if it's connected to the British one. I feel like it's just the British version. It's a remake. Of this yeah. one. Okay, so it is a remake. Gotcha. I, I saw a couple episodes of this one. I didn't think I was going to like it. I, Ghost is kind of funny. This one's on HBO Max, maybe yeah. still. Um, and this British Ghost is on. Yeah, the British one was a little bit better, but I haven't gotten into this one. I didn't want to judge this one. But yeah, this seems to be the new thing. Even Netflix is coming out with another one. Uh, we have a ghost. We have everybody. A ghost, yeah. Everybody that wants to be splitting the rent with ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that's the new thing. If you need a roommate, I get a spirit, I guess, because they don't get taxed by the end of the year. But everyone's yeah. uh, partnering with ghosts this year. It becomes to be it seems to be the new trend with uh, movies. You also had another one that would not stop being promoted during the Super Bowl. Yeah, they they put a lot of ads out for it to the point where I was like, is this a Too fake many. show? Like, what's going on here? It also feels like a bit of like a, a low rent premise to get a guy like Joel McHale involved, but I guess Joel needs to make some money too. Uh, nah. So yeah, animal <laughs> control, a new, a new comedy on Fox. Uh, it's also available on Hulu. That's where I've been watching it. And it's like a pretty typical kind of like slacker comedy. It's all these different people who uh, have ended up working for animal control because they kind of, don't really have their lives together in other ways. It's got like a pretty solid cast between Joel McHale, uh, Vela Lavelle, who I really enjoy on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, uh, Ravi Patel, who shows up in a lot of comedies and is pretty funny. There's all these all these people who show up who you're like, oh yeah, that person's pretty funny. Uh, maybe they, uh, again, this is another one where once they settle into the rhythms and who who's who and what their relationships are. And the show ends finds, and they move on to funnier stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, but like, <laughs> I also one one episode in, it's a little bit like, are there's no reason for this to be set at an animal control thing other than to have some like ridiculous gags with like puppet animals or stuff like that. So I don't know. Okay. It's kind of like a lowbrow comedy, but it's not the worst time. I, I didn't like hate watching it. Interesting. The trailers yeah. were too much for me. I did the complete opposite of marketing. It, it took it off yeah. my radar, but I mean, it's a pilot does a good job of telling you what the show will be at the very least. The control animal. You know, if the soup yeah. had a movie review, like segment, this would be brought up <laughs> yeah. on that. Uh, another one that we have is Hello Tomorrow. Sure. This appeared out of nowhere on Apple TV+. Plus. There's, I think, three episodes out right now. And I got duped into thinking Tom Holland was in this. So if anybody else gets duped into it, don't. Because he's not in this. This is Billy Crudup playing a salesman who's selling real estate on the moon. Making everybody believe that you can go there too. But this is a world that's kind of like the 50s. But... The difference is, is that they have robots. They have that Jetsons technology. Pretty much everything is futuristic from the cars to your kitchen. But there's no internet. So that's mm. like the, they made this advancement with like AI, but not yeah. really computer. They're robots, not really intellectual, you know, however you want to call it. All social media. Yeah, None of that like is in there. It's still the, some weird Tomorrowland kind of thing. Exactly. And you're following all of these people who are trying to sell this real estate and you see that he kind of has a family on the side that he's trying to either re- uh, reconcile with while at the same time you're trying to figure out he ain't selling there's nobody up there on the moon <laughs> they, they, they're, they're bringing in fake rocks this this is all pretend they're, they're, they're it's a fugazi real estate uh bit it's shot very interestingly because it it's trying to feel like a 50s program while at the same time it, it's so high quality that you can feel it being like a set um I don't know. It intrigued me a little bit because you have a very big cast from Hank Azaria playing one of the real estate people uh, who's trying to snatch people up. Uh, Allison Pill is in this. And it seems like it could be an interesting show because you have someone who they really rely on. I think he was also uh, Billy Crudup. They also had in the morning show, if I'm not mistaken. So I feel like Apple relies on him. He was the one who was getting like Emmy nominations. He might have even Mm. won one for morning show. Yeah. So I see that and I feel like, all right, they're just. They, they can rely on him with giving him a consistent project. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this one through. But as a pilot review, uh, pretty interesting little story there. But it's not nice. as intriguing. It, it doesn't have me coming back Didn't week after you. week. Yeah. Like shrinking does. It's good. But yes. it's not as good as shrinking has been. We have not completed yeah. this, I think, you or I. But we have seen a couple of episodes and we have not had the chance to talk about it. My yeah, second watched... favorite recommendation for this week. I watched the first five. Uh, and I'm, 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 I'm really, four, really into the show. I mean, you, look, you, you had me pegged for, for it. Like you've been saying as soon as you started catching the screeners that I should really catch up with it. And it is so, so mm-hmm. up my alley. I mean, uh, first That's of good. all, it stars my boy, Jason Siegel, who I just, he's, I, I think he's a really charming presence. I, I want to see him in more things. You know, I love, I've loved him since forgetting Sarah Marshall. And he is also one of the co-creators of the show. So it really does kind of feel like in his voice it gives him a lot of things that are very funny for him to do i i think there's all these like tiny moments like uh there's one part where he's pulling a pizza that he made in an oven out with his bare hands and he says to himself be brave be brave be brave that's the kind of thing that jason siegel can make hilarious i don't know if like maybe many people would think to make that small moment funny uh but aside from jason siegel it's also co-created 
by Bill Lawrence and Brett Goldstein. Brett Goldstein, you probably recognize Bro, as Roy Kent man. from from Ted Lasso. Bill Lawrence, another one of the co-creators of Ted Lasso, but he has a longer resume that stretches back to Spin City, to Scrubs, to Cougar Town. Uh, so he's a guy who is familiar with this kind of like hangout, buddy, comedy, like workplace comedy style of, of comedy. Oh, yeah, he's the got... pet honcho, dude. Absolutely. He's behind this? Yeah. And you and he, What's you the guy who owns the Mavericks? Got... What was it? The guy who owns the Mavericks, Shark Tank. He reminds oh, me Cuban? of like the film producer. He reminds <laughs> me of a film, Mark Cuban. Side little yeah, tangent. Okay. That. Yeah, he's, this, he's huge, dude. Yeah. Okay. And the thing All is, right. like, when you look at a show like uh, Shrinking, because it's got, you know, legit talent involved in it, it's got a pretty good look to it. You don't think, like, half-hour sitcom, but when you really think about the writing of the show, it is kind of like a traditional half-hour sitcom. The 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 banter, the jokes, the, the like, workplace energy of it. And it's a really good hangout, elevated, not just because Jason Siegel's in it, not just because Jessica Williams, who I love from The Daily Show and some other stuff is on it. They got Harrison Ford. What? Tell me what Harrison Ford is doing in a half-hour comedy written by Bill Lawrence. Look, I was wrong. I thought this man was in there just collecting a paycheck. He was just in there grumpy. He was just in there saying his lines. Then episode three, episode four, you start seeing him open up a little bit, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, Harrison. I apologize. You do your work. You just have it down so well. It, he makes it feel like he doesn't want to be there. But then the moment he has his little inkling, just a little move of his cheek, when he starts talking mm-hmm. about his history, his family, and you're like, oh, this show's getting to work. Every single character is firing on all cylinders yeah. here. You have all the emotionality with the lead, with Jason's character. But mm-hmm. the fact he's got such a strong supporting cast is why you want to keep, uh, keep coming back to the show. Because it's one of those sitcoms yeah. where it doesn't matter who you're focusing on. You're intrigued with every single storyline. Absolutely. I also don't know if you know about Jessica Williams's personal history. She lost her boyfriend a few years ago and has kind of like somewhat openly gone through the grieving process. So I do feel like there's probably a very personal connection for a lot of people on the show, which which is so much about grief and so much about loss and how we deal with our own issues. Like for a show that is very sunny and happy, I'm, I'm really impressed and and. Uh, it, I don't know, like, in, in uh, live, it lifts me up how much the show is able to deal with real things, real sadness. I think the, the very first episode ends on such a sad note. I thought it was so brave and daring it's to take sad the comedy be- and give you that downer. Because it ends on such a high relief. Oh, my gosh. He finally found resolution. Yeah. It's because they gave you that last up yeah. that the down feels so crazy. Ugh. Dude, what you just said about Jessica's character, because I'm going through her, like, what she's gone through in the first four episodes. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Catch this. Uh, before you answer, or answer Ewan's, because I, I saw another one from LaShawn over here who had mentioned another Apple TV show. I never finished Mr. McCormick. Should we finish Mr. McCormick? Let me know. She says it's pretty good. I know that one did end up yeah. getting canceled. I'll tell you this. This one, this one uh, attracted one, right? me. The Joseph Gordon-Levitt one. This one got me yeah. way faster than that one did. But I didn't get to finish yeah. the other one. So if you think we should finish it, let us know. Uh, and then you had Ewan. Uh, Ewan saying that he thinks Harrison Ford is the best part of the show so far. That's what I was saying. I was wrong. I, I was trying to th- – I thought he was phoning it in. No, that man – I mean, it's just great at what he does. He's the GOAT. Um, and then to think he's going to be in Marvel. 
Yeah. I mean, do you want to pull up his IMDb for a second? Because I think it's pretty funny. Harrison Ford, looking... he's been in a couple stuff. <laughs> really quick, before we do that one. Dude, Brett Goldstein. I had yes. no idea he was on the show. Yeah. I had just mentioned him like a little earlier. A super talented writer. Wait, why isn't he on here? He appears in... Um, what did I just show you? He appears in the Harley Quinn special. <laughs> oh, really? As a as a cartoon character, bro. It's it came out of nowhere. That's what this image is. <laughs> just like to the him. side. So Brett is everywhere. In after credits, yeah. everywhere you can find him. All right, you were saying pull up. Yeah, Harrison Ford. This little IMDb known actor, up and comer. <laughs> My man, like, took a break for a mm. little while. Like he he got Couldn't the tell. Han Solo money, and there was like a couple of years where it looked like he might retire, and then all of a sudden he's yeah. been in like back to back to back. He's got two TV shows and a new Indiana Jones movie this year. Bro, nineteen twenty three. That's right, the show that's supposed to be based off of one year, and now it's getting a sequel. Nineteen twenty three two. He's got the Yellowstone money, the Star Wars money. That's crazy, and then then now the Marvel money. Yeah, that's in the Indiana Jones bag. <laughs> I I don't know what if like Callista Flockhart just wanted like a new house, or if there the, he's got some <laughs> tax bills, or oh now he's got a new strain coming out. That's what it is. Harrison Ford, <laughs> look at you, dude! Right when you think he's gonna retire, they pull him right back. All right, good for him. Yeah, good for him. How old is he? Like to have a year like this. <laughs> the uh, slate in your career I can't do that yeah, man. My, my man's already 80 going on 81 in July I, I she know how he, we do <laughs> Chicago that's good for him that's great yeah Harrison yeah. Ford and not just in movies that he's starring in he also gets a lot of mentions I don't know if you remember there was a couple of uh, Sundance things that we had uh, I don't want to spoil which movie, but that, he plays a huge role in some Sundance movies. He's like a pivotal yeah. part about being the epitome of what a man is. So you're going to see a lot of Harrison Ford this year. Um, who knows? He might even appear in one of our favorite shows, Zach. Our number one series. The Last of Us. I don't know why it took so long. Yeah. I was also reading uh, <laughs> Owen's little joke over here. <laughs> That's a good one, nice bro. One. Shout out that good one. Put that, put that in the pod. Last of Us. What is there to say? It's um, I got one. It's good. I, I, it. I agree. <laughs> Watch it. It is good. Yeah, okay. So I agree. Let's... Uh, thanks to the Intercuties for watching. Next <laughs> week, we will have the Week of Must Watch. There's What is there not to say, dude? It, it's just fantastic. We're going to need to do a whole spoiler one, but if well, convince I, I them. If for whatever you... reason they haven't, convince yeah. them. Well, let, before we get there, I do want to ask you this. How do you feel like your experience with the games is affecting your watch of the show? Because it's that's been the thing that I've been trying to track. Because the show, it, it, it really is this incredibly tense, incredibly effective zombie drama, you know, where you, you see what happens to humanity at a desperate point. But we've seen that all before. They, they're following the script of The Last of Us game. So what is it about the show that is making that experience different or better or, or maybe muted for you? I'll go off by saying I love both of them. I think the game is the, the first one game is one of my favorites of all time. I just found my original copy for the PS3 last night because I found out my mom was nice. watching the show as well. I told her, I was like, you got to play this. She's like, I'll beat it in a week. I'm like, no, you won't, mom. But the game is a masterpiece. 
And I think the way they're adapting the show also allows it to be its own masterpiece. The way that they're able to have these uh, intro bumpers to a degree, uh, I think has been able to expand on the game in certain ways, mm-hmm. the lore of it, to not just take what is the fungus in the game, but to also apply some real world scenarios to it, uh, to flesh out some of the characters in a way where they're changing kind of how it plays out in the game, which I've been loving seeing when people have been compiling how it is in the show to how it is in the Mm -hmm. game. And you have several moments where I do think they flop. There is a sequence where a character holds a gun for the first time. That's all I'll say, right? Mm. The way the show does it is good, but the way the game does it was better. But then the next episode, they'll have another character who's a new character who comes in. The way that character ends in the game is devastating. Yet I had to give the win to the show. So it's been a really great balance of having uh, wins for the game. Oh, I think they did it better over there, right? You sound like a book fan. Ah, the video game just uh, was able to uh, tell the story in a better way. But there's some adaptations that they take, uh, some liberties in where they're like, yeah, the the character who they needed a, a, a car battery from. Yeah, they were only like 30 minutes in the game. But what if we did an entire film? A a Mm -hmm. whole episode that is just a movie dedicated to this person's story. And yeah, it's fantastic. It's incredible. Um, I do think they've been just a little overbearing on some things. That's where Mm -hmm. I will critique it. There are some sequences where the game is just going to be better, maybe because you're actively involved in it. But I think that they're also framed better in the game. I think that there are some CGI things that they're flaking on a little bit here and there in the middle episodes. It's still good. It's HBO. Mm -hmm. You can patch them up. Mm Mm-hmm. They had a lot of social commentary that was a lot more subtle in the game. Mm. Right off the bat, you're, you hear talks of global warming. You're in communes. <laughs> you're, you're, you're talking about uh, different things dealing with the characters that are, I don't want to spoil. And I think they were able to package it a little bit better in the game that the writing, maybe because it's a series, has to say it to you. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know if but it has to, take has anything to away. say it to you. I, I agree. Like, maybe and, you have like, characters bit... who break down stuff that they wouldn't. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's, that's coming from thing. the writer. And I feel like sometimes it's it's maybe explains a couple things that we don't need explaining, and and maybe that's a credit to the world building of the show that it feels like it feels so lived in already that like we, I, I feel like I don't need an explanation of like is a commune communist and stuff like that. But it's like why yeah why are we stopping bro? Keep the show going. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. reminds me of that Ant Man thing with socialism when the most capitalists. <laughs> company around just stops michael right. douglas who i only know is as big as line being greed going ah socialism i'm like what are y'all doing bro come on come on bro y'all don't know how to market your own movements like that but besides those little things in the show i agree right here with what ricardo's saying having played the game why am i still tense why am i still like yeah. sad for people who are gone episode, like that's an effective episode adaptation. Five, i think was was the high point of the show so far to me is that the one where they meet the duo? Yeah, and the yeah. And the decision the to, guy and the brother? to that the was the one to, where they did it better in the show. Yeah, the decision to make them or, or make the the younger brother uh, deaf as well. I, I heard Craig Mazin talking about that in the interview that plays after the episode, and just because it's this extra step that means he's reliant on his brother is so smart mm-hmm. and so devastating. Um, it, the show at its best. Easily. There are times so, uh, where there are times where I kind of feel a, a little bit of a drag because it feels so familiar and I feel like we, we are going through so many of the the beats that I've seen before. Like I've 
a lot of times I'm watching it and I'm feeling like, oh, now I want to go play the game. And I don't know if that's always the the best reaction to a TV show, even though I'm like really I'm, I'm compelled by it. Um, there are like you're saying, I think there are times when the TV show is able to take this really interesting world and, and deepen it and expand on it and show you a little bit more of people's personalities and their histories and, and it, the stuff yes, the, all the cold opens to me are the be- are the parts where the show really shines because they drop you into a new part of the world and and open your eyes a little bit more when the show maybe is trying to be ultra faithful it's less exciting for me because like I've seen it before okay that's fair I, I, I'm like you. Sometimes I, I'll be watching them move around and you realize how much of it is like the game where you have to set up yeah. something and prepare it and get it ready. Like even uh, I'm what not, she does to right? lift her up is straight out of the game. The, Bro, when, when the boss comes when he's out running, I want to craft. Five. I'm trying to craft. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And there are moments like that where it's like, you know, you could you could decide which one you have a preference for, who did it better. Um, but I, I can I can see the tension there uh, wavering a bit. There w- there was one aspect of it towards the middle of it where you're you're kind of building up to kind of maybe divert from the game or almost um, change around some of the cutscenes that were happening in the video game to how they're doing it in the movie. Or sorry, the movie. The <laughs> it does come off like a movie because all the episodes are so long. Um, but in terms of the our two main actors, do you feel that they've kept the essence of what you had in the game since the game already has had part one and two? Yeah, I, I love the performances we're getting from Pedro Pascal and uh, Bella Ramsey. I think they're uh, somehow both able to be true to the Joel and Ellie that I remember from the video games, but also, like we were saying, deepen them give them new shades to the personality, make them feel more like living, breathing characters rather than, you know, like avatars for our controllers to move around there. I don't know if they've had the moment where I want to like bump them up into like, they should be uh, front runners for the Emmys or anything like that. But I think they've both been extremely solid on the show. Bella had a really good moment at the end of five. Yeah. She grew up at the end of five. That one was Yeah, sick. five and six were big for her. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, do you know how many in total it is for season one? I think they already got greenlit for two. I think it's season nine one, episodes for season one because it's ending oh, again they're doing nine. while we're in South by Southwest. Damn. Dude, look at these scores. Clean, clean, clean score. Okay, I'm glad everyone agrees with this one. Okay, I, I had not checked the score for this. This one has stuck with me, dude. This one has stuck with me, especially because it's been very interesting how we've been playing it. I bought part one. So Alina's playing it for the first time. Mm. If you played it originally, the PS5 part one update, the remastered, unreal. It's so good. So we've kind of been watching an episode. She's been playing it. Sometimes she'll play the storyline right before it happens. For episode five, she saw the show before it happened. And yeah, we both agreed the way the show handled it was way better. So yeah. it's been really fun. I mean, those it's been five, really fun. That ending in particular is like you, you feel like in the shoes of the character so much and how devastating them. It's so good. Um, that so actor literally killed it. All right, let's yeah. get into our picks for the week. Now that we've covered every it. single thing that is out in theaters, on streaming and all that good stuff, let us know if we missed anything down below. We'll try to catch it for next week's show. But before next week's show, we got homework. The things you need to put on your radar. Zach, 
tell me about this first one because I listened to an interview of Paul Rudd talking about this being his show and I've never heard of this show. Wait, really? You don't know about Party Down? You, you know when you buy a car and then all of a sudden, now that you have that car, you see it everywhere on the highway? Yes. I feel like I've always ignored this show. I've, I like Maybe I've seen it, but I didn't care for it. The moment I, I heard it be brought up, this whole last weekend, I keep seeing Party Down everywhere. I oh look at my, my notion, God. and you got it on here, and now it's on the podcast, so... Well, I'm what, so happy stars. to be able to introduce it to you because honestly, this is one of my top five comedies of all time. It is, and in terms of like construction for Where's a this TV coming from? show, for construction of a TV show, it's one of the most brilliant premises out there because Party Down is a cast of characters who work at a Los Angeles catering service. So they're all people who don't want to be working for a catering service. They're actors or they're writers or they're just like single moms trying to get by, played by just the most hilarious assortment of people, including Martin Starr, Lizzie Kaplan, Jane Lynch starts on the show, leaves, gets replaced by Jennifer Coolidge, who then gets replaced by Megan (laughs) Mullally. And I think they might all be on the new season. Um, But I mentioned all those names without mentioning Adam Scott because Adam Scott, he's become such a big star after this show, but he has yet to find a role that is quite as delicious and hilarious as this one. As a guy who is so dejected, who has life constantly pushing him down while he's just trying to exist. I find him to be so hysterical on the show. Circling back, oh, wow. uh, talking about this being one of the great comedies, one of the great underappreciated comedies of all time. It's got this brilliant premise in that because it's a catering service, every episode is at a different event or party. So they'll go to a bat mitzvah and J.K. Simmons is the dad and Kevin Hart is like the live entertainment that they hired. Although and they'll go, then they'll go to the next episode and it's behind the scenes at the awards party for uh, like an adult Uh, an adult award show. Like it's just, they're able to kind of like make the show be the same, but, but completely different every episode. And it is so funny. Ken Marino is giving the most hysterical, cringy performance on the show. What the heck is this cut, bro? He's got the (laughs) J Jonah Jameson. Yes. He looks like he's trying to find Jake Sully. It is so funny on him and he wears it like so nerdily. Like he's such a disaster of a human being. That episode in particular that you, the high school reunion episode is like one of the hard, Amanda comes on here all the time and talks about how Scott's tots is hard to watch. That episode of TV is hard to watch because Ken Marino is so uncomfortable in it. Um, All of this, all of this to say, they're bringing it back on Friday. Yeah. They're bringing it back one is... of my favorite shows of all time. What? What's going For on? 13 years later, Party Down, a reunion with most of the cast. Tragically, Lizzie Kaplan is not coming back. And honestly, that's a, if you've watched the show, that's a huge, huge blow. But it, it still doesn't make me any less excited just to be in this world again, to see Adam Scott play this character again, to get this style of humor again. It is so hysterical and dry and and uncomfortable uh holds up amazingly i've been just binging it getting ready for the new seasons you know we we have the ability to reach out and ask for screeners and i was thinking about it i'm not even gonna do it because i'm just so glad this exists i'm gonna watch it one week at a time really enjoy it soak it in 
it's it's so good, man. I just can't wait to oh, hear what Hulu. you think okay. about it because it's it's the funniest, funniest show. Beautiful. I was worried, bro. I thought it was only gonna be on stars. <laughs> ain't, <laughs> ain't nothing convincing me to get stars. <laughs> but if it's on Hulu, I'm gonna give it a chance. Hey, okay. Well, then does so that mean it's that not gonna be on Hulu then? For it. Whoa, I don't know if the new, it new stuff's gonna be. Take it easy. <laughs> I, find a hopefully, free trial, hopefully it comes on Hulu the next it. day. Yeah. Ah, well, I got it on Hulu. I'll be watching it there. It seems they got one season on Prime as well. And hey. Yeah. For the freebies out there, the Roku channel, baby. There you go. Let's see. Let me see. All right, so I'm going to be streaming the first episode now. So for those of you who don't want Let's any do spoilers, <laughs> all right, that's a good one, dude. It really, I, I heard that that show come up a lot, and then I looked it up and it said '09, and I'm like, I don't know what I I don't know. So to, what were you yeah, doing? to see that it that it's a, it's a decade later just shows how big the show is. So I got some catching up to do. Party down, good recommendation. Another Absolutely. fantastic recommendation that I'm gonna give the thumbs up for is this next one. Poker face. Yeah, uh, I don't think I've had a chance to extol the virtues of ryan johnson's new uh crime show crime of the week show uh but poker mm-hmm. face is absolutely brilliant i mean kind of feels like the exact type of show you'd want from the guy who made knives out i i'm actually feel like i'm enjoying this way more than i enjoyed glass onion and i'm i'm not a hater of glass onion at all it's just like th- no i agree this is really like the construction of it is so so fun the way that uh, it will first introduce you to a new set of characters and a new situation, uh, almost kind of like Party Down in the same way that it mo- it takes its central character and moves her around. Uh, I love that it's like a short film before you even get into Natasha Leone trying to get to the bottom. <laughs> Where was um, she the whole time? <laughs> yeah. And it's really funny to like watch those pieces fall into place. Plus, you have an incredibly charismatic central performance from Natasha Lyonne. They've got amazing guest stars showing up every single week on this show. They do. My girl Hong and Zhao, they Ellen Barkin, so many people. Um, it's just an extremely satisfying crime of the week show. And, and the kind of thing where if they made 100 of them, I'd watch all 100. So I'm glad that it got picked up for a second season. Nice. Uh, I am very excited to catch... Uh, what they have in store because we were able to, or at least I was able to finish the series and it ends in a very interesting note where mm-hmm. uh, it didn't blow me away, but it has me excited to see where they could take the story. So right. I highly recommend this. I've even rewatched some episodes. So mm-hmm. this has been like my show that because we got it early, I wasn't sure when we we're allowed to like talk about it, but I feel like right. it's too good for it to not be popping off as it should. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it, it, the Super Bowl had some spots and it's had good trailers, but it's just like not. I don't know. Maybe it needs to complete and people for binge it, or maybe just not be on Peacock for it to actually get more of an audience. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, All right, caught, moving into another place. <laughs> yeah, I, I caught Infinity Pool again. Uh, Caitlin didn't get to catch it at Sundance, so we went and saw it in theaters. And wow. man, I think I like that movie even more on the rewatch. I think it's a I'm really you, brother, interesting. Uh, like examination of the uh, way that the rich are insulated from from uh, the repercussions of their actions. And it's just a really fascinating uh, use of visuals from Brandon Cronenberg. I really, really dug it. And uh, it is available not just in theaters, but at home for $14.99. But supposedly, hypothetically, uh, the Canadian... The Canadian release of the uncut version, as Amanda refers to it, the come cut version, will be available February 28th. I don't know if that's the same for American audiences, 
but that uncut version okay. is right around the corner. So get it on your brain. Get it get it wherever it needs to be. Uh, the uncut version of Megan also comes out this weekend on Peacock. I don't know right. if you hear about that. Yeah, I so, did hear about A bunch that. of uncut versions. We watched that too. Gotta cut uh, them for theaters. What would you have afterwards, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, you got two other ones right here. One I'm yeah. excited to watch. Uh, yeah, Mark Marin from Bleak to Dark, which we talked about. That's probably my comedy recommendation of the week. Although I feel like you might lean a little bit more toward the Nate Bargatze so we can convene here back next week and yes, see sir. which one you liked more. Uh, mm-hmm. But my last recommendation from the picks for the week, I think, is a nice way to sort of like launch into you your uh, recommendations. Because as we mentioned earlier, Netflix is going further and further into sports through documentaries and series and maybe supposedly in the future some live streaming. Uh, their hit series, Formula One Drive to Survive, is back on February 24th, so on Friday. So I know it's a show that a lot of people are really into. I, I've really enjoyed it, even though I kind of feel like the last season uh, went down a little bit in quality. It's interesting because the more attention that has come to the show, I feel like the more uh, monitored its access has become. And what's cool is like you get some of those unfiltered behind the scenes moments. I, I hope that new season has more of them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a show that got me into a new sport. So I think that's, a pretty solid recommendation for its quality. Uh, I can see why, because Zach was telling me that the people who made this show, uh, obviously it's also Netflix, but they're the same people who made the newest one that has been trending called Full Swing. If this car one got Zach to get a license and now he's a Formula One driver, then I'm about to buy myself a putter. Full Swing (laughs) shows you how intense golf can really be. The way that they shoot this, specifically in certain frame rates, in the slow-mo and all that, it it makes your palms sweaty. When you're seeing these dudes just miss and miss and miss and miss, there's so much failure in this docu series. It's com- the complete opposite to the one I'm about to bring up next, which is the Bill Russell doc. <laughs> that has so much winning. This has so much losing. Uh, it 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 has some really beautiful sweeping shots of the sport and and gets you into the ins and outs. is is able to really recap you on how uh, the golf world kind of works in case you don't know anything about it. So if you're a novice to it, uh, I think it's definitely worth it. If you love golf, I mean, they get you some really good insights and to the talking points, kind of like how you were saying about the Formula One one, where you're hearing some of these golfers kind of talk in the background and, and kind of run you through why they're so nervous or what they were thinking at that point. It, it This game holds no bars, man. I, I know it's like a leisure sport for a lot of people, but the documentary does a really good job at putting you in the, the player's perspective and how thrilling it could really be. Um, so I would I would recommend it. It's a pretty good pretty good docu series. I haven't finished it yet. Nice. I got halfway through, um, but it shot very well. And the same yeah, thing I'm with the Bill Russell doc. This is a two parter that they did for the legend. He passed last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. This is a dude. I, I I've always told Alina. I was like, uh, every time the NBA comes on, and I'm like, oh yeah, whoever's gonna get the NBA Finals award, this man should have it. If it wasn't for the fact that they didn't create the NBA Finals MVP award in time when he was winning all the all of the finals, uh, he is one of the best out there, and they get some really crazy archives. Incredible talking heads, just. A really good look at his story, and I love that it's three hours long because they made it a two-parter. There we go. Yeah. That's what you need for someone like this. It goes through mm-hmm. not just all of his accomplishments, obviously all the turmoil he had to go through. It, yeah, it's a legendary doc. It's fantastic. This sh- There should be more. I'm just happy that this I, is one where I could I could happily say this is one I would recommend if you don't know anything yeah. about Bill Russell, and even if you did. 
Fantastic documentary. And I assume they got to interview him before his passing, or was it uh, yeah, made he talks. after that? That'd yeah, he talks. Well, I mean, you also have so many interviews and other stuff that they have from him, but they did. Just like they had one for, uh, I think they did one for Pele as well, or Pele, uh, oh, where they okay. were able to have him talk, and then, you know, after that, yeah. he got sick. So, Netflix, <laughs> Right on, the, right on schedule, right on, right, right on the dot. Uh, but those yeah. are the two little Netflix docs that I have as my recommendation. I'm moving on to some streaming premieres. Babylon is now out on Paramount Let's Plus. Go. Every, I've had a couple of that, texts. Hey, should I? I have that sex, saxophone line uh, just circling in my head constantly from uh, uh, whatever that one was. Yeah, Voodoo Mama. One of my favorite, one of my favorite scores. Uh, yeah, personally, it's incredible. Uh, I like playing Shout it just to get Hurwitz. the. Every, everything pumping it is out on Paramount Plus look I ain't gonna judge you watch an hour a day do it however you gotta do it just watch it give it give yeah. it a chance because I felt like a lot of people didn't at, at home uh, but now that it's or in theaters but now that it's available on streaming give it, give it a watch hopefully it's streaming in the best possible way on Paramount Plus because it was a pretty good movie in our opinion uh, besides Babylon you also had the Women King coming to streaming because it is on Netflix it is streaming in beautiful 4k I thought this was an incredible action drama um, she did her she did her thing bro well she didn't do her thing she what did she oh she was her woman King my bad it's how the line goes I'm already I'm already <laughs> butchering one of the best rap songs of the year but I yeah. thought this was a fantastic movie in the way that they were able to uh, not just have these really cool uh, sequences they also really brought in some heart, and I felt that she really gave a dramatic performance as the lead. Uh, and Viola just became mm-hmm. an EGOT winner off of the Golden, off of the Grammy Absolutely. win. So, yeah, more reason I, I don't, to support it. I don't think her snub was the most. Uh, for, I don't for even most consider actress, it a snub. I should say, yeah. was like the most egregious. She's really, really great in the film, but it's not like necessarily the Viola Davis acting th- uh, that you're for sure you're used to, but. It's, she's so effective and good in this really, really satisfying movie that like 15 years ago probably would have been nominated for like 12 Oscars. Um, Lashana right. Lynch also was a huge standout for me in, in this out. one. Um, she's great. Yeah, I mean, it's got great cast and I'm just looking forward to more people getting to catch it now that it's uh, available easily. Mm-hmm. I'd say it wasn't even the Oscar thing. To me, it's like there are roles where we don't talk about awards. We see Jonathan Major and we go like, yo, he is swole. This is something to talk about. They all got jacked. Like, like mm-hmm. actually, they got jacked. And then they jacked all the attention after the movie came out. But I thought they put in the work. And I thought, you don't need awards, but I thought the recognition for like how badass they were. They needed a little bit more to it. So shout out to them. They're on Netflix and it's trending. So people are rocking with it a little bit. Uh, EO. EO. EO, it's not out yet, but I got the email. It's coming to the Criterion Collection, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, one of my favorite. It's out yesterday. One of my favorite donkeys of the year. Really? Just Watch? Yeah. Look at us. Being more updated, than, more updated than Just Watch. They got to get yeah. on it. But here on Intercut, we got you. It is streaming over on Criterion. What a subtle, beautiful, almost heartbreaking movie. I thought it was very Oscar fantastic. Um, An Oscar nominated from Poland? Yeah. Yeah, she's called the EO. That, that's, uh, that's Polish for uh, EO. <laughs> <laughs> and the final one, dude, I missed this one, and it is out now yeah. from the director of Border, one of the craziest movies that I have seen, comes the follow-up that people have been saying is even crazier, protests at cons, people not wanting to screen this movie in certain places, people watching the movie and saying that it's some of the most thrilling, grotesque stuff that they've seen, that it's very hard to watch, it's now available at home, it was shortlisted, if I'm not mistaken, for a country, could have been, I'm not exactly sure, uh, what country had submitted it, but I am very excited to watch yeah. this one. 
it got we'll see how it is because i heard a lot it got submitted to the Oscars by Denmark, weirdly, because it is co-financed by Germany, Denmark, Sweden, and I want to say Finland. And then it was shot in Jordan, even though it is made by Iranians and it is about Iran. Uh, Iran. Iran, yeah. Okay. And I, see, so that's why I didn't even want to guess it, because you don't even know what these movie yeah. studios. But Holy Spider, I've heard a lot of good things about, so I'm very curious it's to great. check it out. And uh, I'll try to report on it next week. So uh, with the release of Holy Spider in VOD, with EO coming out to Criterion, The Woman King killing it. If you got some good 4K screens at home, it looks so crispy. Babylon, uh, I haven't played it yet, but my speakers are going to be delighted to hear that score. Uh, the Bill Russell doc, fantastic. What a legend. Full swing will make you look at golf completely differently. Uh, and then Zach's picks as he runs them down, starting with... Uh, I got Formula One, Drive to Survive, another of the Netflix sports docs. Mark Marin from Bleak to Dark, the uh, comedy special that stood out to me that has a bit of a heartfelt ending, tribute to Lynn Shelton. Got Infinity Pool, the perverse and twisted thriller from Brandon Cronenberg, probably the lead contender for most fucked up thing you'll see this year. Uh, Poker Face over on Peacock, an extremely enjoyable Crime of the Week show with Natasha Leone from Ryan Johnson. And then my biggest recommendation, you got to catch up on Party Down, whether it's up through Hulu or Prime or, or Stars itself before it comes back for season three. I'm hearing, I'm hearing good things about season three of Party Down. I've been hearing good things about seasons one and two, Zach, so I'm excited to start yeah, that one myself. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, that's everything for this week's show. But, Zach, let people know where they can find more from you. You can find me at Zshevich on Twitter or Instagram or Letterboxd. Uh, posting my mini reviews up on Letterboxd as well throughout the week. But you can also catch some more content from me on YouTube or Multiplex at oh, – sorry, on YouTube or TikTok at Multiplex. Ooh. That's the second week in a row that I've done that. Uh, yeah, they're going to be going to the other channel where I do some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> a reminder, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. I, I got the raw files. Uh, and you can catch every live video here on YouTube.com on a weekly basis mm-hmm. where we go through everything that we consider a must watch for the weekend. Big shout out to the inner cuties who listen live, all the patrons, all the iTunes listeners leaving us a five star review we're reaching out to some people right now uh for some south by coverage and yeah. all of you listeners on the apple podcast they love that the more listeners we have over there the more coverage uh access and ability that they give us so it's a really big shout out to you you guys help us provide all of the early coverage from the festivals again don't forget to leave us a comment drop a like follow the socials over on intercut pod and until next time <laughs> don't forget to count your holes <laughs>